Masha Korpacheva is a California-based realtor and a member of the National Association of Realtors in Los Angeles. She's an advocate for selling and buying homes with soul and practicing mindfulness in real estate. With master's degrees in spiritual psychology and linguistics, Masha brings all of her skills to work with her clients. An intuit and empath, she has touched many lives with her outstanding ability to see beyond the visible and helping to come to better understanding of issues and their resolutions. An adventurous world traveler, from climbing Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania to exploring the Galapagos Islands, Masha has a particular passion for the City of Angels. Having landed in this paradise and adopted it as her home, she's been sharing old Hollywood stories since 2007. This podcast is an invitation to feel and experience the souls of famous old Hollywood homes and to have an in-depth journey to the areas where they're located through interviews with longtime residents. Either you're a fan of old Hollywood in Los Angeles, planning to have a vacation, or an even bigger step, considering a certain area for your future home. This is your opportunity to receive valuable information and insightful advice you won't find anywhere else. In the mood for California, feel the soul of old Hollywood. Hello, hello, and welcome to my podcast. Are you in the mood for California? Today, we'll explore and feel the Beauty Ranch, where Jack London used to live, followed by an interview with a phenomenal winemaker and owner of the family-run Loxton Winery, in Sonoma County, Chris Loxton. Chris will share with us what it feels like to live in Sonoma. And now, are you ready to feel the soul of the Beauty Ranch? Nothing is more inspiring to the creative mind than nature itself. The magnetism of the Bohemian Wonderland in the heart of Sonoma or the Valley of the Moon is an irresistible and promising journey into the depths of your own soul. As you take a passage under the fragrant eucalyptus trees, you encounter stillness and softness of the land that so generously encouraged the imagination of the famous adventurous author of the Call of the Wild, White Fang, Martin Eden, among many other works. Jack London was above everything else an unconventional free spirit, full of laughter, strikingly handsome, and courageous. He was always against any kind of injustice, a symbol of rugged individualism and immense mental ability and vitality. London was the first author in the world to become a millionaire from his writing. His home, the wood-framed cottage on the Beauty Ranch, is the place where his passionate thoughts about life and death and the struggle to survive with dignity and integrity came to life. The wood-framed cottage is the epitome of peace and quiet inspiration. 
It was Jack and Charmian London Principal Home, built in the 1860s. It was purchased by London in 1911, together with the Collar and Frolling Winery buildings. In 1913, a large den annex was added. The bathroom was modernized and embellished with a skylight. Jack and Charmian enjoyed their own separate glassed-in sleeping porches. The total square footage of the space eventually grew to 3,000. The annex served as a large living dining room with kitchen. You can only imagine how many guests were entertained there, some of which came to stay for pretty long periods of time and they occupied a renovated carriage house close to the cottage. The interior is designed in a typical for that time arts and crafts style that came as a response to the Victorian flamboyancy and over-decorativeness. With main principles of the combination of beauty and purpose in its essence, it was very practical and emphasized the idea that a well-designed object did not need extra ornamentation. You can feel the spirit of Jack and Charmian throughout their home. During their numerous travels, mostly through the Pacific on the Snark, they collected various objects from pottery to light fixtures and furniture. Apart from prolific writing and enthusiastic traveling, Jack London was very much engaged in restoring lands and experimenting with early methods of sustainable farming. He believed that the soil is an indestructible asset and continuously studied agricultural bulletins from the University of California at Davis, exploring the best way to build healthy land. The eucalyptus trees that welcome you as you arrive were ordered in January 1910 all 15,000 of them, and the planting began the following month. Even though London died much earlier than the ranch could fully develop, he excelled at creating the vineyard, receiving awards in animal husbandry at the annual California State Fair, and making sure the ranch completely self-sufficient with enough food being produced for his family, guests, and workers, his hopes to leave the land better for having been were fulfilled. Thank God you're not afraid of anything. Were Jack London's final words to his wife, Charmian, before his death in 1916. She continued his legacy at the ranch and spent most of her time at the cottage even though she built another house on the same property. The coziness and memories of the cottage were precious to her. It was also convenient for accessing Jack's library and various notes. She wrote a two-volume biography of his life and completed his unfinished novel, Cherry. I ride over my beautiful ranch. Between my legs is a beautiful horse. The air is wine. The grapes on a score of rolling hills are red with autumn flame. 
across Sonoma Mountain, wisps of sea fog are stealing. The afternoon sun smolders in the drowsy sky. I have everything to make me glad I am alive. Jack London And here we are. Welcome to Sonoma. I'm so excited to have Chris Loxton join me today. Chris is a phenomenal winemaker and owner of the family-run Loxton Winery in Sonoma County. Chris will share with us what it feels like to live in Sonoma, and we will find out why this place is so special. Hello, Chris. Hi, Masha. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing really well. It's a cold morning up here in Sonoma County, but it is a beautiful day. Oh, wonderful. And I was so looking forward to our conversation. And Sonoma is a natural beauty and one of my most favorite areas in Northern California that I absolutely love to visit. It's one of mine, too. I love being here. Yes, and you obviously live there and you have your winery there. So what is Sonoma? How would you describe it to someone who has never been to Sonoma? Well, I think of it as one of California's premier wine growing areas, then it's got a real advantage in that you've got oceans to mountains and you've got access to San Francisco. So you've got all the advantages of country living, but close to a major city. And for wine growing, it's such diverse uh, environments and climates that we can do just about anything, but it also supports apples and dairy. And I think it's just a fabulous place. It's a real paradise. Right, right. And this is Probably something that a lot of people know about Sonoma because it is really famous uh, for you know for its nature and for the climate and but what does it actually feel like to live in this area? I find it kind of relaxing. It's it's a laid back area. You know, people are very it's a diverse community. People are very accepting of whatever you want to do, and it's exciting for me because if you're willing to do something really good whether it's goat cheese or wine or beer or spirits or anything really baking, uh, there's enough people in the area uh, that love those kind of qualities of life that they'll support you. So it's a fabulous place to be. Mm, wonderful. And originally you were coming from Australia, right, if I'm not mistaken? Well, I originally came from Australia, but I had another career, and that's what brought me to America. And I spent two years in Arizona and eight years in Illinois, but then I came to California to study winemaking. They have a very good program at UC Davis. Oh, very, very interesting. So tell me more about it. Why did you actually... Um choose to move uh, to Sonoma uh, eventually? Well, I was brought up on vineyards in Australia, and I've always wanted to be a winemaker. And when I made the decision to quit my real job and become a winemaker, it was either go back to Australia to study or go to Davis. And I'd been in America long enough that Davis had a really good program. And uh, again, very diverse. You had people from Australia, from Israel, from Germany, from France, um, it was a very interesting uh, group of people who had two-thirds of the people had had another career and they gave it up to study wine. So we had a really diverse background of people. And then I decided to work in Australia and here in America, in California, to get experience. 
And, you know, once I'd been in Sonoma County for one harvest, uh, I said, boy, I really like this and decided to stay. Mm, interesting. And if it's not a secret, what was that other career that you quit? Oh, I was a research physicist. And I, I'm very lucky that I've found two careers in my life that I absolutely loved. And I had a great job at University of Illinois and head of a research group. And it was fascinating business. Um, Illinois was very strong in material science and engineering. And I worked with really interesting people. And But at some point, I just found the the romance of wine business was just too much. And of course, the romance is mostly cleaning and shoveling in the wine business. <laughs> From outside, it looks really interesting. Very interesting. Well, um, what a story, you know, being a physicist and becoming a winemaker. I, I don't think that uh, too many uh, people can say that uh, they've had such a diversity in their career. Well, um, yeah, it was a challenge because, you know, physicists want to be rational people and uh, control everything. And and winemaking has no control. And when you sell wine, you know, there's not a lot of rational things going off there. It's um, uh, emotional decisions and, and you're dealing with people who make uh, decisions about wines uh, that um, are more personal, maybe mm -hmm. maybe not not related so much to the quality of the wine. Sometimes it's um, how cute the label is or it's an emotional connection. So for me, it, it brings in a lots of different parts of life. There's both the rational and irrational parts of it. Very, very interesting. So how did it actually affect uh, the quality of your life when you quit your job as a physicist in Illinois and you moved uh, to Sonoma eventually and became a winemaker? So how did your life change? Well, it was, um, it was very nerve-wracking in a way because it's very seductive to have salary and retirement and healthcare and vacations and to just start again from scratch. Uh, and I, you know, my father said to me, are you sure you want to do that? And and I said, well, I've been talking about it for, you know, 15 years. So, but it's, it was more difficult than I thought to start all over again. And mm -hmm. it was lots of hard work. And, but the people who had passion, uh, those of, those of us in that class that I was in at Davis, the ones with passion, they just saw difficult things and they said, well, we'll just overcome it, you know, and I went through the dot-com crash and 9-11 and 2008 and you just go, well, I'm doing the thing I love and that's the reward. But if you didn't have the passion, at some point people said, you know, this is just too hard and they went off to do other things. Hmm. Yes, that makes total sense. And you did mention uh, that people in Sonoma are very supportive and accepting and uh That is probably also the reason why, you know, you did decide uh, to stay in Sonoma, you know, uh, to help uh, support your passion for wine. Oh, and I see it, you know, I became friends with people at um, a little bakery in Sonoma. And, you know, the, the guy went on to be represent America in Paris uh, for baking. And, you know, he got lots of support from the local community. And, and I've seen it with other winemakers and Uh, of course, Sonoma and Marin have some fantastic cheeses and people are willing to support it when you try and do a really good job. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's true. And I also did mention that uh, winemaking is much more emotional, of course, than your previous um, professionalist. And how would you describe like this emotional part in winemaking, like at least what it means to you? Well, it's part of sometimes it drives me crazy because... You know, <laughs> 
you can measure quality or you can measure things in physics and mathematics. You know, one and one makes two. But when you're making a product um, that people are going to evaluate, they go, well, I like it. And, you know, you, someone else doesn't. So um, it, it, it allows some creativity, I suppose, that physicists sometimes don't have. Uh, but it can be frustrating because what is a good wine? Well, even for me, a good wine sometimes is not so good on a different day if I'm in a different mood or I'm having different meals. So quality is so hard to judge. And I think that's part of the fun of it too because you, you're always chasing the perfect wine. But what is a perfect wine? It all depends on the circumstance. Okay. So, but it is not a rhetoric question. So you probably can describe it in some way. Yeah, um, I can, I suppose, in that I, I, I'm more classical in wine. I drink a lot of European wines and I want balance. I, I don't want it to be too too much of anything. It, it, I suppose if you looked at, um, well, music would be the same. There's classical music, and which I'm not a big fan of, but... It, it's more traditional, I guess, my wines. If you looked at European wines from some time ago, they would be, that's probably my model. Um, but I do it with a little twist of being in the new world and in California. So I'm not bound by something. I, I just try to make wines that I like, and but I'm not trying to impress critics. I just want to make a wine that will be really nice with dinner. Yes, yes. And that, that is very important to have wine that works well with dinner, that you can enjoy your dinner much more than without wine. So that enhances the experience of food. That's what I think. I'm, I'm driven by that part of it. But if you want to make more money and you know get notoriety, then you try to make a wine to impress a critic. And then there's a, a style that sort of does that. Um, but it's not a style that I like to to make or to drink. So I've gone away from trying to get fame and notoriety to uh, just doing the thing I love. Right, right. And and that's uh, very, very honorable. And I did try your wine. And actually, Loxton wine um, that you uh, produce is actually one of my favorites. Oh. So it's very delicious. Yes, it has some very nice notes. And just like Sonoma itself, to me, your wine is uh, a representation of this um, relaxing vibe of Sonoma uh, County. And uh, it has the notes of, you know, beautiful fall with golden and red leaves. And uh, so, yeah, your wine is very, very uh, delicious. Well, Enjoy it very much. You know, people talk about all sorts of wines, uh, words to describe wines, and I think uh, delicious and yummy are some of the best descriptors you could possibly give to wine, I think. Yes, yes, that's very true. And um, one more question about um wine before we uh you know talk a little more about sonoma so your father is a winemaker as well correct no just a grape grower so i'm the first oh just a grape. yeah i'm the fourth generation to grow grapes but the first one to make wine and i'm very pleased that one of my sister's uh, sons is now going into the business he'll be the fifth generation but the second generation to make wine oh okay so and so your family still lives in australia and so they obviously tried your wine what did they think about your wine produced in california in sonoma well the first one i made was a zinfandel and it's not a grape we have in australia so dad found it kind of difficult to deal with um, but he much preferred my syrah wines which the australians call shiraz mm -hmm. so uh, and you know they've all come out to visit uh, one of the great things about living in sonoma county is 
suddenly you're operating a bed and breakfast because everybody <laughs> wants to visit. And, you know, my father never visited me in Illinois in eight years, but uh, he came here six times. And my, brother, right. my brother's been twice. Every one of my nieces and nephews, um, I've had cousins, I've had uh, aunts and uncles, uh, they've all come to visit. And they really love this area. It's beautiful. And, of course, they love the quality of the wines too. Yes. Wow. Yes. Sonoma is very visitable, if it can be said so, for sure. Very much so. Wonderful. Wonderful. So uh, another question that I have. So you do have your home uh, in Sonoma. So what does your home mean to you? And what is the heart of your home? How would you describe this? You know, I hadn't thought about it too much until uh, some years ago when I was flying back from Australia. And I flew in across the ocean and I looked down and I saw, you know, instead of blue water, it was a little bit muddy and then the green forests and then drove eventually over the Golden Gate Bridge and started to look at the redwood trees and the oak trees when we got to Sonoma County and then some familiar landmarks with wines, wineries and stores. And I went, you know, this is home. Uh, it's a combination of the trees, the birds, the animals, the people and the, and the little stores. And then finally, I got to my vineyard here and all of those things. And I realized I was home. And it was a, a really interesting feeling to go, wow, this is my home. And of course, the heart of the home would probably be my family and my friends. And those are the things that really complete the picture. But it's it's all of those things. It's your, your stores and the trees and, and everything. So whenever I see people have left garbage or something or done something wrong, uh, you know, you go, hey, this is my home um, and we want to keep it as beautiful as possible. Mm, yes, what a, what a wonderful description. And actually visiting your winery, even though the winery is not your home, but it always feels as if, you know, we're visiting you at home because you are so hospitable and uh, you always welcome, you know, your guests as if, you know, they are your friends and you spend so much time with uh, your clients, with people who come to uh, do the tasting and this warm feeling that you just described about, you know, Sonoma being your home, you know, with your family and friends, you transfer it to other people through your wine tastings, for sure. Well, I just love being here and, you know, um, sharing it with other people reminds me how lucky I am. When I, you know, I wake up and have breakfast looking up at the mountains and every month the colors are different and uh, it's just a, such an enjoyable place. And to share that with people who visit and and hopefully they catch the the reason I'm trying to make wines in this area. Uh, hopefully that that story helps make the wine taste different and better. Mm -hmm. That makes total sense. It does. So besides winemaking, so are there any other activities uh, that you enjoy? And is living in Sonoma conducive to your uh, lifestyle? Well, you know, when I lived in other places like Arizona, I really loved hiking and, and camping and stuff like that. And I'm fairly busy these days, so camping, not so much. But hiking, uh, hiking in Sonoma County is phenomenal. And I'm so lucky that I have three state parks all within three or four miles from here. And they're totally different. We've got Jack London's State Park with its redwoods and shade and wonderful in summer. And you've got Sugarloaf State Park with its outstanding views and great hikes and open and 
they're all just so close by and even little regional parks i was shocked once when i uh, only within the last five years or so i discovered that just four or five miles from here there's a lovely little small regional park uh, and you leave the highway and you hike over a little ridge and you're suddenly in oaks and madrones and open areas and i went how could this have been only five miles away and for 20 years i didn't even know it was there so there's mm-hmm. these hidden little places in Sonoma County and close by here that um, are just lovely. And, and yeah, living in Sonoma, I've got access to all of those, plus the beaches and, and ocean, which is so pretty. Yeah, so you do uh, find some time in summer to go to the beach, obviously. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm an inland Australian, so we didn't go to the beach very often. So um, mountains probably speak to me more, even though we didn't have mountains in Australia. Uh, but it's just being out in nature, the the sound of birds and, you know, being at the ocean, just the sound of waves. Because uh, the ocean is different in Northern California. It's not a place where you go swimming. It's pounding surf and rocks and tide pools. And uh, it's beautiful. Yes, it's the ocean where you go to meditate and to have your, you know, thoughts being washed away as you feel one with nature. <laughs> Being in nature is really uh, Sonoma County is an excellent place to, to to be in nature, and and our weather is so nice that it's summer, winter, it, you can always be outside. It's very yes, yes, yes. This is probably where you can be the most in nature in uh, northern well in California in general. Sonoma is very relaxing and uh, very peaceful in so many ways. Yeah. So let me ask uh, you a, a couple of uh, more questions uh, for um, you know future you know, visitors, possibly tourists. So, what is your favorite um, restaurant in Sonoma? Where would you suggest? Um, first of all, where you like going um, to experience delicious food, hopefully paired with very good wine, and some place that you would recommend to other people to go to. I mean, we have some high-end, really not lovely restaurants, Girl in the Fig, and there's a number in Sonoma. But I actually love going to a very unpretentious little place called El Molino Central. And it's down in Sonoma. It's high-end Mexican food. It's octopus tostada and, you know, crab tostada and their moles. And it's unpretentious. You order at the bar, you sit outside, and the food is just reliably good. And um, it's just the the community atmosphere, the lots of locals um, and people from outside, of course, because it's a tourist area. But it's just reliable and lovely. And I think all the things that we like about Sonoma, fresh fruit, uh, fresh and prepared products, um, a reasonable wine list. But I go there just for the feeling, the atmosphere and the food. Mm. Mm, very interesting. Okay, thank you for sharing this place. I've never heard about it before. But again, it's wonderful how you bring in this feeling of community, you know, as far as about, like, you know, the area itself and also, you know, the local places. And, uh, you know, it it feels very warm and very friendly the way you describe it. It is. And you, you have lots of locals coming in to uh, pick up pre-prepared foods. And so you, you really realize there's lots of locals who know about this place. And uh, uh, and sometimes you recognize some friends who are staying there, who are there for the meal. And yeah, it's, it's a nice place to walk into. Mm, mm, very nice. Well, uh, what about your favorite winery? Well, you have your own winery, but... 
Do you have any other wineries that you like? I do. Um, there's a, you know, probably one I love the most. There's this funny little place in Australia called Best that um, was started 150 years ago, and you walk in there and it's, it hasn't changed dramatically. And and there's a reason I like that winery as well in that the grapes cuttings from their vineyards were brought out to California in the 70s and mm -hmm. established the Syrah vineyards that a lot of them now trace their vines back to this place in Victoria, Australia. And for me, there's that fabulous connection and their wines are lovely and it's unpretentious and um, I love that. But, you know, here we have some really fancy wineries and, and are lovely to, you know, they're very impressive, but I kind of have a soft spot for little family run places that aren't really impressive to look at, but it's all about farming and vineyards and making wine and sharing a passion. I, I have a soft spot for those. And there's a number of those in Russian River and here in Sonoma Valley. Uh, yeah, there's so many little places to, to find to, without naming names. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sounds good. So um, what about your favorite um, store? Oh, well, you know, you it, this <laughs> reflects on a winemaker, I suppose, but my favorite store to go to is a place called Bottle Barn in Santa Rosa, and they have this fabulous selection of domestic and international wines. And, boy, I can spend uh, a lot of time wandering around there just looking at this really good wine shop that have um, interesting wines from all over the world and I suppose that tells you a lot about my passion in wine, that uh, one of my favorite stores is a wine shop. <laughs> right. Bottle Barn. I've never heard such a name. That's interesting. Yeah. Bottle Barn and uh, great selection of wines. And, you know, I, you see wines from Portugal and Spain and France and Germany and Italy, and then you realize the world of wine is such a big place and that you can learn continue to learn about the wines of the world uh, i think forever so it's such a fun fun thing to get into yes yes and you know the rest of the world loves you know wine and, and it's beautiful that you also represent um you know this um beautiful piece of uh, winemaking that takes place in sonoma county and like you feel that you belong to this world yes and um, and when i've been on vacation you know we've gone to places in portugal and and France and and you talk to the winemakers there and you you feel part of a community even though we're in different countries and we don't compete we just make different things and winemakers talk to each other and like to share information because we we face similar problems frost uh, drought uh, too much rain you know birds and and all sorts of pests so um, we're all in it together in so many ways especially when we're trying to do something really good and represent our little area it's a real community mm, that sounds wonderful and um, one more question to you where can you see the most beautiful sunsets you know i've been out to the Sonoma coast and watched the sunset out there to the west and that's truly beautiful um but i have to admit that when i sit at the front of the winery or in harvest time when uh, the sun goes down while i'm still working i always find time to look up at the mountains in front of me and the the sun sets on the Mayakamas Mountains and, and part of Kundi's vineyards and you see the yellow of the leaves and uh, the red of the earth and the trees and I think, boy, I, I don't know if I could get a better sunset than what I see almost every day and how lucky is that? Yes, that sounds like a real blessing and 
just as you were describing it, uh, you know, I thought of Jack London and how he uh, called Sonoma the Valley of the Moon, and probably he experienced the exact same feelings that you were experiencing. Oh, and now uh, when you see the moon come up over the mountains, I can see why they call it the Valley of the Moon. Um, it dominates the sky, and uh, the colors can be really nice in different seasons. And um, yeah, the, it's just the, the colors and everything. It, the sunsets here are. And, and even in the, we're so busy in harvest time. I remember one of my interns just stopped and watched uh, for a couple of minutes and and you just never get tired of it. That's kind of nice. Yes, yes. Because probably you can never get tired of nature. You know? It reinvigorates you, I think, in a way. Yes, because we as humans are part of nature. We came from nature and we are nature and we sometimes forget it about it when we live in big cities and we do, when we do you know our own things during the day and work and stay in the office and this is something that always disconnects us from i find it you know when i go um, to national parks and reconnect and get away from phones and everything else it really recharges me at least um i i get excited again about doing what I do because it recharges my batteries. Yes, yes, for sure. And well, thank you so much for this um, beautiful, uh, relaxing um, conversation, very natural conversation about Sonoma. And I hope that uh, the people who would listen to this podcast uh, will be inspired uh, to visit, you know, your winery Loxton in Sonoma and to you know go into nature and recharge because this is one thing that reminds us of you know who we are of being human and when we are in a community also the way you described you know the people who live in Sonoma and all this natural food that you can have and pair it with delicious wine and enjoy you know the beautiful sunset like isn't it you know the meaning of life I, I think you're right. and of yes. itself you're very well so thank you so much chris for bringing all of this beauty forward and i really appreciate what you're doing and we did get uh, our bottle of wine from your winery and looking forward um, to drinking it over the holidays thank you chris bye-bye bye-bye I hope you enjoyed experiencing the Beauty Ranch and taking a journey to Sonoma with our special guest, Chris Loxton. I personally just cannot wait to go back to his winery, which is called Loxton. His wine is the best, and his tastings are the most fun and entertaining. Please press the like button, follow and share your feedback for the podcast. Your time and support are greatly appreciated. Well, next time we're traveling to Palos Verdes and we'll visit a site that was originally explored by the first European explorer in 1542. Yes, way before old Hollywood. Hope to see you there. In the mood for California, feel the soul of old Hollywood.